Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit All right, guys, it is time for your Monday Night Raw review, a much longer Monday Night Raw review because tonight we have a new co-host on the show. You know him from our mailbag episodes. The casual wrestling fan is here to discuss Monday Night Raw, the Royal Rumble, fantasy booking WrestleMania, and what could be coming, who could win the Royal Rumble from the men and women, and so much more. This is a really fun one, guys. Let's get everything started right now. Welcome to the WWE Podcast, the most passionate and authentic wrestling analysis on the web. We've got you covered with every Raw, SmackDown, and NXT show, giving you a no-bullshit opinion. We know you love wrestling. We do, too. So let's get this show underway. And that's the bottom line. What? Because Stone Cold Simpson! Hey everybody, welcome to the WWE Podcast, and uh, tonight, obviously we have our Monday Night Raw review, but it's a special episode of the Raw review because we've got Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan, one of our uh, staples of the mailbag episodes, calling in as he does every week with his thoughts and opinions, but we've got him here live tonight to cover Monday Night Raw and much, much more. It's not just Raw, but again, in the intro, I said that we cover Rumble and Mania, and we do. We, I mean, we book ourselves into a frenzy with who could win what in different scenarios especially with Goldberg and McIntyre all the different scenarios there possible huge returns uh, just really a, an, an entire an, an entire just fantasy booking but smart fantasy booking I mean we're not just kind of shooting from the hip I mean we, we do kind of back up our theories with uh, with with evidence and so also as you know, he's one of the callers that disagrees with me on a lot of things, and he does disagree with me live here on the air, and we debate some certain things. So uh, if you're interested in that kind of discussion, certainly feel free to uh, also debate me if you, if, you don't dis- if you don't like what I say or, or in terms of storylines and WWE and who I think they're pushing and what they did a bad or good job on. That's what the mailbag's for, guys. Call us, email us. You know how to reach us. But uh, we do debate things, and if you like that style of audio, well, you're in for a treat tonight. But uh, if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much. We are here about every day of the week, sometimes multiple days a week, covering Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and uh, especially pay-per-views and highs and lows of the week. And uh, we're, what, a week and a half away now from the Royal Rumble? It's just insanely close, which is popped out of nowhere from six weeks till a week and a half so uh tomorrow we'll be doing wrestling nostalgia and the mailbag show so two shows coming tomorrow and uh then of course nxt review on thursday as we kind of look ahead so before we get going which is in just a minute i want to touch on uh anthony demargo who does wwe rivalries every single friday covered this week the rivalry between the rock and Hulk Hogan, as always, did a great job and uh, had some great audio, especially from their WrestleMania match, WrestleMania 18 in Toronto. And I, I wanted to touch quickly on on this match and, and really on the, on the rivalry before we get into Monday Night Raw. And so he, here's what I say. First of all, go listen to his 
Rivalry uh, episode, which was released on Friday, last Friday. Here's what I think about The Rock being a heel. I think The Rock being a heel is sometimes way more entertaining than him being a babyface. And back when The Rock and Hulk Hogan, the first time they met up, The Rock was billed as a babyface. I mean, he was billed as that babyface. He was kind of the, the stone-cold Steve Austin of his of his uh, second coming of Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you will, um, kind of paralleled Austin in terms of success. And he was dabbing into Hollywood at the time, right? Like he was dipping his foot in. Fans saw the writing on the wall. They felt abandoned. They felt like he cheated on them, so to speak. And they felt like not, not only that, but that he's getting a little bit stale. He's the guy that is always at the top. He's the, the baby face. That is the, 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 just the, the staying figure. He's always there. And so you dip into Hollywood. You see that fans know that you might be doing this and that uh, wrestling is coming second and the movies are suddenly becoming more of a priority in your life. And the fact that you've been there for a while as a baby face. And then you bring back the biggest wrestling star in the history of wrestling of Hulk Hogan to WWE for the first time in what, how many years? It's a formula for a disastrous result in terms of fan reaction, but in the best way. Um, also, it's in Toronto in a WrestleMania crowd, which is traditionally much more, I hate to use the word hardcore, but traditional or, or whatever. They're they're much older, educated, and it, it's really a recipe for a disaster, but a beautiful disaster. Uh, I think The Rock being a Hollywood rock is much more entertaining at times because he plays into what the fans think he is. He's got a big ego. Hollywood's more important. He dismisses people. Uh, he plays that kind of Hollywood snob, but that he knows he's, he's a bigger star than anybody. Like if he came back as Hollywood rock today, I think that'd be hilarious. He could still pull it off. But again, I think, um, that Hulk Hogan, being who he was back then wasn't supposed to get cheered. Jim Ross has said that many times that he did not expect the reaction in Toronto like they got. And it was a 80-20 split between Hogan and Rock in terms of 80% cheering for Hogan, 20% cheering for Rock. Rock getting booed out of the building, which actually started the Rock's heel turn, by the way. Uh, and the rock even remembered that going, coming back to Toronto many months later saying, Oh no, 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 Toronto, you don't get to cheer or uh, sing along with the rock. You know, and he, he talked about how he remembered what they did to him at WrestleMania. I mean, it was, it was pretty funny, um, in subsequent months, but, um, I, I, the match, I mean, uh, the rock match in uh, Hogan at WrestleMania 18, I don't think was from a wrestling perspective, technically in terms of 2021 standards, that great but that's what it's that's what wrestling is right amazing that you can have what many people believe is one of the best matches of hulk hogan and or the rock's career and one of the most memorable i should say yet it was from a technical perspective one of the least technical matches of all time in wrestling history uh it was the 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 crowd was there for every move every blink every breath and they were there to send a message that we love Hogan. We're glad he's back. And The Rock is starting to kind of um, uh, starting to kind of abandon us. We're getting that feeling. It, it was just a magical moment. It was a perfect double switch when they didn't even mean to do a double switch. So I uh, just wanted to give you my thoughts on The Rock and Hogan uh, right off the bat as, as Anthony DeMarco did a, a great job of covering 
on Friday. So, all right, well, let's get to your Monday Night Raw review because we've got a lot of content to get to tonight with uh, Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan and myself. He even explains why towards the end of the show. He calls himself the Casual Wrestling Fan, which makes total sense. Total sense. Um, So if you're wondering, why why do you call himself that? It's at the end of the show, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. But that is it for me tonight, guys. Uh, Please... Check out our website, www.podcast.com. If you don't want ads, head on over to Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast And uh, also Instagram at WWE underscore podcast. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the conversation. And as always, I'll talk to you next time. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Monday Night Raw Review. And today, I, actually tonight, as I record this, we've got a special guest. You guys have heard him before. If you listen to the mailbag episodes of this show, you have heard this voice before. It will become very familiar to you very quickly. He's known as the casual wrestling fan. How you doing, man? It's really good to have you on the show. Oh, great, man. I appreciate you for having me on. It's an honor and glad to speak to the WWE, um, official WWE podcast universe. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, or fans. I'm I'm, I'm anti WWE universe. So that yeah, this since we are not sponsored by WWE, we refer to us them as fans. I mean, that, that, I just can't get over the universe the universe sticker. I, it just sounds so weird to me. But uh, anyway, I want to I want to jump in before we get into uh, Raw. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of let our audience know a little bit about you in terms of wrestling and you know how long have you been a fan? First of all. I started watching in around 99 and, um, you know, I watched through the attitude, through ruthless aggression and around PG era, I kind of tapered off. Um, you know, got a little bit into the indie scene here in Nashville, um, for a couple of years. And then I just stopped watching and, you know, the pandemic comes and you start getting tired of trying to find WWE videos on YouTube and you just get the app and you love it. And, and here I am today. <laughs> that no, that that's cool. You, I mean, I hear that so many times from people, especially uh, people that like like you and my you and I that are have you know started in the Attitude Era, the golden era of wrestling, where it was literally like a WrestleMania lineup every single night, and we took it for granted. To the ruthless aggression, PG, and then people seemed to drop off right at that PG era because it catered to a much different audience. They went in a completely different direction. Uh, the, the the star power was dwindling by then and uh so yeah and then you you, you kind of jump back on so you had like what a, a 10-year gap of not watching wrestling yeah totally like i didn't watch wrestling at all didn't keep up with it but you know the pandemic mm-hmm. i mean when you sit at the house and i started watching old um you know attitude era videos on youtube and then the quality is horrible so you you just break down and spend the ten dollars and after going through nostalgia you start to catch up yeah, no, that that is that is so true, and you know that the YouTube videos. I mean, I have I don't think I've ever taken a break. I'm not bragging. I just didn't, and I've suffered through a lot of bad, bad months and even years in WWE. So there, I I am jealous that you took some time off and didn't dedicate it to wrestling during some t- eras and, and months that weren't that great. You didn't waste any time, but. You know, when you talk about YouTube, I, you know, it makes me, when I go back and watch some of the stuff and I just go back, I'm like, oh man, it sometimes gives you chills. It gives you that, that reminder of why you watch wrestling and love wrestling. So let me ask you when, or or not when, but what 
drew you to wrestling and what are some of your favorite memories that you look back on and you're like man this is awesome this is why i love wrestling well i got started off in the wrestling literally through classmates i mean when when everybody's class got the rock folders and the stone cold folders you're like good gosh what are you watching so they tell you the channel i start watching um one of my earliest remembrance um is undertaker at the time when he was american badass um character he had done ran Shane McMahon on the little sign on the left of the Raw stage and revving up at him. And at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm hooked. This is totally cool. Um, so, currently to this day, The Undertaker, he's my favorite wrestler. Um, you know, it's sad he, let, he he put the boost down, but it was time. Um, but who doesn't love Undertaker versus Mankind, Hell in the Cell? I mean, good God, I know that's pretty sure that's almost everybody's <laughs> one of their top matches, but that for me, um, Hulk Hogan versus um the Rocket WrestleMania, you know, to really have Hulk Hogan built as a heel and he's getting the cheers. And I mean, the place was rocking. Great. Um Eddie Guerrero versus Kurt Angle. Great match. Um love the finish. You know, he lies, he cheats his steals and he slips off the the shoe of the ankle lot for the roll up. Loved it. So that's some of my some of my um biggest and greatest matches that I can remember watching as a kid. Man, just even even you telling me about those matches now makes me want to watch them again. And, and certainly the Foley and Undertaker match that nobody will ever forget in the history of wrestling. It just it never gets old. It never seems to, to dwindle. It never seems to go away. It's just always at the forefront of fans' minds, especially every time the Hell in a Cell match comes around. Uh, which obviously is built into the WWE pay-per-view schedule now, um, and, and obviously most best known for that one bump and Jim Ross's call, which is the most infamous call he's ever made in his entire career, bar none. Um, the Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero match, I I was there in Madison Square Garden at WrestleMania 20 watching that, and I remember that happening, and people were, were going crazy, and Latino Heat was on fire uh, it's obviously very sad of you know, that we never really got to see him play out his career, given his heart failure and everything like that. And um, it, it, yeah, I mean, so you picked some great ones. I mean, definitely ones that are in the minds of fans. And if, by the way, guys, if you haven't seen Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, I know many of you, everybody's seen Mankind and and Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. I mean, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you've heard the audio dubbed over something else, or you've you've seen that clip, you've seen that bump. But Eddie Guerrero and uh, Kurt Angle. You want a you know, a wrestling purists match, man. There is nothing more snug and amateur wrestling slash pro wrestling style in in a matchup, especially at WrestleMania, that you'll see. So, uh, definitely, uh, th- those are some some great memories. And I gotta ask, very simply though, uh, who was your favorite wrestler? Um, currently, um, wrestling. That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> I'm just a lover of heels. I love heel characters. So the Hurt Business, um, Roman Reigns, I really don't have a top. Um, before Undertaker retired, it had been The Undertaker. You know, he was a great wrestler, had a had a great career. But right now I'm just riding with all the good heels currently, on, besides Randy Orton. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Randy Orton, I th- well, I think Randy Orton's cooled down a bit. Um, no pun intended. I didn't mean to say that. But, uh, yeah, I <laughs> I think uh, kind of dive it in now to, to what's going on currently. You mentioned Roman Reigns, and I know this is the Monday Night Raw review and Roman's on SmackDown. But since you mentioned him, I mean, I got to ask, you know, what do you think about this compared to his babyface character uh, with, with Roman turning heel in late August? There's no comparison. Roman Reigns today has reached heights that, that Vince thought he would have reached as a babyface. 
I mean, honestly, he is he is great at TV. The only thing I don't like, I love everything about him, and this might be a writer um, error, but I don't like how they kind of make him look weak during his matches. I mean, Jey Uso interferes too much, too aggressively. I mean, it's one thing of Jey Uso, you know, during during the heat of the match, you know, everybody's knocked out and he tries to do something. But, you know, coming in early or coming in often, that doesn't look good for Roman. Who who should be able to handle himself? That's a good point. And I, I, I'm with you that, and I've said, and I stand by it, that I don't think they've really had any missteps at all since Roman turned heel five months ago, which is really insane to think that WWE hasn't had a single misstep in five months in a single storyline. I can't remember ever in the history of me watching wrestling that I can say that for anything, which is just crazy. But yeah, perhaps that is something if you were going to look at that they can improve on. Sure, because... You know, typically heels do need help, right? Like typically heels need that that heater. They need that lackey to go in and do their dirty work or come in and save them. And I'm not against that logic, but Roman Reigns on his own could be vicious enough and hated enough where he is he feels unbeatable, where nobody seems to to be able to take him down. And I don't mind Jey Uso once in a while being able to come in and help him. But like you said, maybe it is a bit of overuse. I guess the the, the benefactor to that is that Jay Uso is becoming quickly what he says he is. He's main event Uso. He is becoming quickly a big star next to Roman Reigns. And I agree. I mean, Jay Uso, I mean, comparing, I would have never thought that he could have had a, a great singles run. And I mean, he is. But I still think it's the Roman Reigns effect. You know, mm-hmm. Roman Reigns, I mean, whatever's next to him just looks great. And I like Jey Uso. It looks good. Um, and I agree, you know, as a heel, you are supposed to have help, you know what I mean, to get that heat. But I just think it's too much. They're putting too much sauce on it. It's too it's too overheal. You know, he can come in and hit one super kick, which is the most overused move ever. But he can mm-hmm. come in and hit one super kick and be done. True. Yeah, I, I I see your logic there, and you know I I'm I'm with, you know I don't hate it though. Like even that little nitpick of a thing, I'm still a hundred percent on board for what they're doing with Roman Reigns because as you said, everything that they have done with Roman Reigns to date, nearly everything, if not everything, has worked out very very well. And I'm sure Vince McMahon, while he will never ever admit it, is probably secretly saying to himself, "Damn it." Why didn't we do this earlier? This, I mean, fans were asking for it for six years and not buying in fully to the babyface character because it didn't feel real. It didn't feel authentic. It felt very corporately created. That's exactly what it was. John Cena, in his match with him a few years ago, even called him out point blank. And he destroyed him in a promo uh, when they went face to face, which was, it's just uncomfortable to watch, but you can't watch, look away. I mean, it was one of those moments. So uh, Vince McMahon, I'm sure, is like, oh, I should have just turned him heel here, here, and here. But, yeah, they are, they're going to get their money's worth right now, and I'm loving what I'm seeing. So, uh, But kind of gearing back to Raw, I, I do want to ask, at the top of the show, we get Randy Orton in this, like, I don't even know what to call it, mask. I'm sure there's some funny pun name. I, I can't think of it. But he is in this this burn mask of sorts where only his nose and eyes and lips are exposed, and you can see... Some of the char on his nose and uh, 
talking about how he regrets, you know, showing compassion to Alexa Bliss, and he lights the match and basically threatens the Fiend, um, who he knows is going to come back, which I'm glad he's not playing stupid. I'm glad he knows that we all know that the Fiend's clearly not gone. But he also declares himself into the Royal Rumble. So what did you think about this segment here with uh, what Randy Orton had to say? Now, I like Randy on his promos. His promo was pretty good. My biggest sticker or my biggest issue was the mask. I mean, it looked like a improvised Lucha Libre mask or something. That's I what mean, it is. Yes. That really Thank threw you. off. <laughs> I really feel like that really threw off the, the promo for me, at least. You know, they could have put a paper bag over his head. Anything would have been better than that mask. And I think if they would have picked a bigger mask, I love the promo. I like the darkness of, of Randy Orton currently. Um, I think it's a good look. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And I like how they actually at least attempted to make some kind of burns on his face. I mean, the makeup was very well done. I'm glad that they went that road and, and they didn't just have him out there with like a Band-Aid on his nose or something. And that it looked like and it looked as good as it could possibly have looked. It looked as good as a fake injury could have looked. Uh, and that, you know, he basically saying that any compassion he had for him, for anyone is now gone. And he's going to wear the mask not only to protect himself, but to shield everyone from the horror he endured. And I'm reading that just to, to make sure I got his words right. But uh, I, I think we're, you know, maybe WWE hinting at a somewhat of a character change for Orton. But I, I don't know how much darker and, and more sadistic he could get. I I mean, I, everyone that, you know, touches The Fiend has seemed to have changed or evolved in some way. Um, so do you think coming into the Royal Rumble, as Randy Orton has declared himself in, so he's in the match, because that's all you got to do is declare it, except if your name's Ricochet, then you got to have a match to get in. Uh, but if, if he's in the Rumble like he says he is, then... What do you think is going to happen? Do you think The Fiend is going to interfere? Do you think a fiend, The Fiend is actually a part of the Royal Rumble match? How do you see this playing out? Oh, Lord, man. That's a lot at one time. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, with Randy Orton, which I do like the way his character is going, I don't know how much darker he could get, but I'm pretty sure they'll figure something out. Um, regardless, I think he'll have a good showing in the Royal Rumble, if not win it, possibly, possibly, maybe. Will the Fiend interfere? I don't know if he would physically interfere. He might play a trick or, you know, dim the lights. And, you know, I think it might be a scare tactic, but I don't know if he will put hands on Randy Orton. And I could be totally wrong, but that's just my, my prediction. I, I personally wish they would play the long game with the situation. You know, I wish we could push Fiend coming back just a little longer, let it kind of stew a little bit, let him start mess with Randy psychologically. You know, you don't have to take it to WrestleMania, but I, I really wish they would kind of just lengthen it out just a little bit more. And they might. It all depends on Edge and where he's at, because where Edge is at, I, I mean, I've heard rumors, and I'm trying not to look at spoilers because they seem to be on all the big sites that we all know who they are. That you know, Edge could be getting close to becoming coming back, and could he debut at the Rumble, re-debut at the Rumble as he did last year? Um, I, I don't. I, I, I think that obviously, when Edge comes back, he should be immediately injected into the Randy Orton program. But if Randy Orton's still with the Fiend, then I don't know how this is all going to work. There's a lot of moving parts. 
perhaps they delay Edge's return until the next pay-per-view. I don't know if it's Fastlane. Um, and then wait until then to allow Randy and The Fiend to kind of conclude their program, I would think. But, uh, you know, Edge, I don't see any other way that Edge just comes back, ignores Orton for a couple of months until it's WrestleMania time. It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. So uh, do you anticipate Edge coming back at the Rumble or perhaps after the Rumble? Oh, that's another sticky one. Um, I think Ed should come back in the Rumble. I'm I'm not putting my stamp of approval on that uh, right now, but you know I could see Edge coming back, and I would like that because if, like you said, if Edge comes back, they will have to put Randy and Edge together. But you know the problem with WWE is, like we know, they schedule a week of. There's no long term future with the writers, and that and that sucks because. Right now, Randy is in a feud with The Fiend without The Fiend being there, and Edge is coming back. And, you know, I think that's a lot of mess. <laughs> they should have just left The Fiend, like I said, just stew. I would be okay with Edge coming back, doing a program to WrestleMania, and then letting The Fiend come after WrestleMania. You know, I'm fine with it being a super long program that wraps back around. That may, yeah. Look, if we were booking it, I think that's how I would do this because I feel like there's a lot of, again, no pun intended, but a lot of gas left in the tank of Randy Orton versus The Fiend. There does seem to be a lot left. I'm not bored of this yet. I don't feel like we've seen too much yet. I feel like there's, you know, if in a normal sequence of pay-per-views, if, we, if this wasn't WrestleMania time, I would say, yeah, they've got a couple of months left, a couple of pay-per-views. But obviously, I don't think we can go that far, given Edge is so close to returning and they need to build that. That said, we also have WrestleMania later this year. It seems to be it seems to be much later, but it's really only a week later. Um, so they have additional time to build uh, whatever programs they have going on, I believe, April 10th and April 11th. It just seems super late, but... Yeah, so, look, I think Edge is, if people are wondering, I, I think Edge is probably going to return, maybe not at the Rumble, because that would really cross over in a program that The Fiend and Orton have going on that I think is pretty good. I think Edge waits until that's concluded before he actually returns to, to face Randy Orton. Otherwise, it feels like too much going on at once for Orton. I feel like I, I'd want Orton and Edge to be completely focused on one another. I don't need The Fiend looming out there still, like you said. Perhaps they could do a break and then Edge and Orton do their thing. When that's done, the Fiend comes back around to to finish things. That, that could happen. I would say probably unlikely given, though, that how WWE books. They, they kind of do things very linear. They don't tend to come back around the things. They just do things and move on. They do this and then they move on. They don't they typically don't do like kind of a, a circular type of uh, – type of program where something comes back uh, back around to finish it anyway it's very very unusual but I, I don't see why we couldn't do it but i just don't have faith of wwe as you mentioned at the beginning here wwe's long-term booking i think long-term booking are three words they've never put together i totally agree it's and, and to me you know as a wrestling fan i'm I'm patient. I'm okay with stuff stewing. I don't think they have enough time to go between the Fiend and Edge because we're, what, three months out? Well, everyone Rumble would be like three months out from WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. And so if you go with the Fiend, I mean, they program could go two to three months. 
I mean, you could really stretch that. And the same thing with Edge. I mean, you could really stretch that if you, you know what I mean, if you had to. I, I'm more interested in The Fiend versus Randy personally. But I don't think you could condense one of those rivalries to one month. I mean, I think that would really take away from said rivalry. Yes. Agreed. And that's, that is also what I'm fearful of is that they're going to kind of rush it and just finish it to finish it. Because, oh, Edge, Edge is coming back. Let's finish up The Fiend and Orton. And I'm like, no, I want this thing to play out. You know, there's a lot of unanswered questions that I'm scared they're either going to ignore or they're just going to rush it to a terrible conclusion just to rush it because Edge is on his way back. I don't want that to happen. They have a good thing going. Is it blow away? No, but it's good. It's it's sometimes really good with what they have going on. So, I mean, some of the unanswered questions are, is Alexa Bliss sister Abigail... Uh, is she the weakness of the fiend? What does the fiend look like? I'm sure he's had to have transformed in some physical way. You know, uh, what does Randy Orton look like? What, what is, who's going to win? How does Randy Orton beat a guy that even lighting him on fire doesn't defeat him? I mean, so there's a lot of unanswered questions that I'm very concerned. They're going to rush to a conclusion at the rumble to get it over with, to move on to edge. And I don't want that. So that's, that's a good point to bring up. Uh, but I, I do want to kind of shift gears here to a group that I know you love, I love, and I think the majority of fans love. And I know you mentioned that you love heels, but I don't know. Is this group really a heel group, though? Because I mentioned this last week. The, the Hurt Business is obviously who I'm talking about, and they 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 don't do anything heelish. They come out. They do exactly what they say they're going to do. They kick ass. And they win and win and win. They have the United States Championship. They have the Tag Team Championships. They do what they say they're going to do. I, I don't know why I'm supposed to hate this group. I mean, just because, what, MVP can be obnoxious? But he's a great talker. So I'm going to let you kind of take the Hurt Business, obviously, with what happened this past week. Uh, given the Lucha House Party, they lost very decisively and uh, the dissension between Cedric and, and Shelton. But just go ahead and, and take your uh, take take the microphone, so to speak, here, and uh, let me hear your piece on what's going on with the Hurt Business. All right, well, I'm going to start off with the first point about Hurt Business being a heel faction. Now, I love the Hurt Business. I love heels. But <laughs> besides the point, the Hurt Business, and this comes from my wife. She's a, a casual wrestling fan as well. Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan, heels. yes. Mrs. Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. And she loves, she hates heels and she loves baby faces. She don't like the hurt business because they're bullies. She said they walk around here, they gang people, they bully people, which I love. You know, I love the aggression. I love the ruthlessness. You know, I tell you I'm gonna beat you up and that's what I'm gonna do, and that's what happens. And if you got something else to say, it can happen again. You know, and I noticed that a lot of the fans, you know, sometimes I catch myself watching the fans in the background. They do thumbs down the Hurt Business an awful lot. And I don't know if WWE controls who can be back there and what their reaction is, but they do get a lot of thumbs downs when they come out. But I love the Hurt Business. The the work that MVP has put into this group, I mean, honestly, he, he picked up three wrestlers whose careers was on a downward spiral. By the last little stuff with Lana. Horrible. Such an entertainer was stuck with the one and only Ricochet. You know, and Sheldon Benjamin, he was just f- fixing to be turned into a jobber. Yeah, <laughs> if yeah, he really yeah. wasn't already. <laughs> so the way they put this group together 
and the length of time it took, you know, this started back in what May, just mm-hmm. with MVP having a conversation with Bobby, and to bring it on full circle to the January is great. On the um, the match, the biggest thing that I don't like about the hurt business is obviously Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. You know, I don't mind Cedric being the young guy, the pit bull, the aggressive guy to tag in and, and get the win. I don't mind that. That doesn't bother me. What bothers me is when they're seriously teasing, breaking up a great faction, you know, when, when, when they're putting, both people are putting hands on each other. You know, this shouldn't happen. You know, Sheldon Benjamin is, is, is the hierarchy over Cedric um, Alexander. Same thing for Bobby over them, and MVP is the top. So I think WWE needs to change that quickly. They could have MVP do a promo with Cedric and tell him, hey, this is not Sheldon telling you this. This is not Bobby telling you this. It's me. And I'm telling you, calm down, get your head in the game, and then get the group going back to, to dominate together. I Well, first of all, yeah, really good analysis here uh, regarding how this whole thing got started and, and the fact that MVP did literally save three careers that were just teetering on irrelevancy. I mean, they just all were an MVP has just been a, you, you talk about a guy that is truly the MVP of the show in, in a lot of aspects, man. I, I love MVP. I'd love to see MVP and Paul Heyman go toe to toe on the mic. I mean, I think that'd be really fun too, if that were ever to happen. Mm. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand why we need to see dissension within the group already. I mean, they're just getting going, right? They have the goal. They have two championships in the group. They have a great talker, a great mouthpiece that is the glue of this group. But all four guys seem to really found have found themselves in this group, a group that I'm sure Vince and Creative had really no big plans for when they first got together, where they just kind of threw a bunch of guys together that didn't have a lot going on, which we see happen a lot. And they just kind of say, eh, well, if something happens, it happens. And now they've got something good, really good that's happened here. And they might be catching lightning in a bottle. But why are they even teasing dissension between Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin? I don't understand how fans are even supposed to care why these two are are, are just, they. I don't know, they can't get along. I mean, Cedric seems to be the one who's at, really at fault, obviously. But why are we even, like, why is this a thing? This should not be happening at least for, like, another 6 to 12 months, maybe after it's time to say, okay, they've had their great run. Let's see if Cedric can be a bigger star. Let's kind of break this out. And as all groups are are really made to do, is to eventually break up. Tag teams are usually made to break up. There's very few that stick together to the end. And it's all about building new stars, and I totally get that. But it's way too early to do this. I just, I'm not understanding. Can you figure out a, a reason why maybe that they're doing this teasing of Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander, you know, breaking out into a brawl. And I mean, it, do they think someone's going to become a major star from this? I, I, I don't see why this is a thing right now. I, I totally don't understand where they're going with it. And, and a good point here is if this, like you said, if this is a really truly supposed to be a heel faction. Why would we care that they're breaking up? I mean, you wouldn't. So I don't know what the thought process behind it was. When it first happened, what, like a month, month and a half ago, um, when it 
after they won the belts, I didn't mind him tagging in to get the win. That didn't bother me at all because they still was like, okay, cool. But they have crossed the line of where it's just not working right now. And back on the match, I just wanted to bring this up as well. Did you notice the promo when uh, Riddle was talking to Bobby Lashley and the rest of the Hurt Business and Bobby Lashley went to stomp his foot, which horrible camera angle, you obviously seen it missed his foot. And then Riddle grabs the wrong foot and takes the <laughs> wrong you foot when he goes up. to the ring. I'm glad you brought that up, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was just bad business, uh, so to speak. Uh, I saw that. I said, what did, What just happened? I said, he grabbed the wrong foot, and you saw that he kicked the wrong It was Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. And, and really, I, I think it's the cameraman who's to blame there. I mean, obviously, that wasn't supposed to be something on camera that he was supposed to capture. <laughs> yeah, that, that was bad. I caught that, yes. If anybody hasn't cool. seen that, go back and watch in slow mo. Oh boy, yes. Um, but uh, yet yeah, again, th- this is a group that I don't. Like, and I equate this group to when we had the um, Zelina Vega group with Austin Theory and Angel Garza and Andrade, and the, the you know, Angel Angel Garza and Andrade at the beginning of the spring and summer, they just couldn't get along. They couldn't get along, and they're always fighting. And we're like, what? This is a heel group. Why am I caring about two guys that just got together, are barely getting traction, and now we're supposed to care that they're arguing about something week after week after week? Why do I care as a fan about two heels fighting, much less a group you just put together that's a heel faction that they're fighting? That that And it's not as poorly booked as, as that group was, which is really unfortunate given how great that team could have been. And I said it week after week six months ago, but... Fast forward to the Hurt Business, it seems kind of like that same thing. I I don't know why there's that need to even show dissension. It's not nearly the right time. It feels, again, 6 to 12 months too early to even think about doing this with a group this dominant, with a group that has this much chemistry, that's got gold, that's got a great mouthpiece, that does exactly what they say they're going to do. They are literally all business. I love that. They don't joke around. They they don't make light of things usually. They are the serious part of Raw. I love that. I love that they just go in and do what they say they're going to do. Bobby Lashley gets the win this week with, I mean, the spear and then the uh, the the hurt lock and quickly a tap out. It was it's great and I love it. And Bobby Lashley seems to kind of be like the guy that's like, hey guys, what the hell's going on here? And I, I don't know. It just I, I feel maybe they're just doing it to do it to make it a, a talking point. But I don't know. It, it feels like it's totally unnecessary and about a year too early. Yeah, I totally agree. And what I don't get from from WWE creative, how can you even tease the breakup of the Hurt Business? But Retribution is still just doing what Retribution does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, and I wasn't going to bring this up this early. I hope you don't mind if I kind of no, go swerve ahead. a little yeah. bit. But on Retribution, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but this is what I heard online, that they're getting 250000 a year? They're I heard that. $20,000 yeah. a month? Yeah. Well. Good God almighty. That's kind of like the equivalent of somebody who just comes up to the major leagues. They get like the base salary, which, I mean, again, WWE is the major leagues. If you want to equate it to like baseball or wherever. Uh, they are the major leagues, and that's kind of a base salary, so to speak. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. That would be like the equivalent of somebody making the, the minimum wage right now, which is, well, I don't know, $12, $13 an hour, or, no, whatever it is, 
um, how many dollars now the minimum wage is right now. It's kind of the same thing, obviously, at WWE's level. So I heard that, too, and I saw that. I'm like, yeah. yeah. To everybody else, it's like, oh, my God. But if you're in WWE, that's like kind of, you know, kind of standard. And I agree with the whole group. <laughs> this is a million dollars yeah. on a group does not have doesn't have traction at all, at least in my opinion. But <laughs> oh, you, I mean, obviously, I mean, if anybody's been following this show, you know much how much how many hours, probably literally hours, I've spent destroying Retribution and how terribly they dropped the ball, and that this concept was flawed from the very beginning. And they are doing this group originally came in and stood for. The anti-WWE model that they, you know, were going after people that were greedy, that took WWE's money, and they were here. And I'm like, wait a minute. Well, you came in, destroyed everything, and WWE awarded you with a contract because, you know, that's how things work. Um, they must have the worst legal team of all time of of being able to give people contracts that come in and destroy your property, threaten your stars, threaten the fans, threaten announcers. Yeah, because th that, that's how that happens. And then not only that, but they do the very thing that they set out to destroy and take WWE's money. So they've done absolutely nothing since they came in. Nothing. And other than take chainsaws to the ropes the very first week, and then I go, oh, God, right? I mean, that, that was it. So... Uh, but they're starting to get wins now, which is scary. Like this past week, as, as you bring up Retribution, Mace defeated Xavier Woods. So I don't know what that means. I mean, this I mean, you and I watch Hulu, but as I watched some of the clips and I read some of the other results that wasn't on the Hulu version, Mace did beat uh, Xavier Woods. So, I mean, Xavier Woods isn't exactly a jobber. I mean, he's in one of the greatest tag teams of all time. Do you or are you concerned that Retribution could be on the ascent rather than dissolving the group? They're, they're still going to try on Retribution. I mean, they, they've been getting wins over Ricochet and and um, Xavier Woods. But my problem on this one, uh, Kofi Kingston is um, hurt with a broken jaw. They need to kayfabe injure, uh, injure Xavier Woods. That way you can totally separate Big E and he can have time to himself with no other New Day mentions. So it can be just Big E doing Big E things. But back on the match, um, I think they're going to keep trying to slowly ease retribution in it. I think the writers, in my opinion, which I think are wrong, but they feel like that they gave the fans too much at one time. So now they're going to try to just trickle in a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, just get a little better, a little better. But I don't want to see it regardless. I mean, the one good thing, the one out of this entire absolute unmitigated disaster of a storyline, which will go down as one of the worst storylines WWE has ever created, maybe not as bad as Katie Vick or some other ones that are just infamously terrible, but it's probably in the top 10 of just flops. Uh, the one good thing, the one shining star in this entire thing is, I think, Mustafa Ali, who has come into his own as a heel and his promos i think have been really really good now i don't want it to be with retribution if it was on his own or his own faction that made sense that's where i'd want this to live not in a dying group with a dying mission and a complete flop of a story but mustafa ali has i think been kind of the breakout in an otherwise just complete disaster but that's the problem. Mustafa, as he likes to say on Raw Talk, oh, yeah, Ali, yeah, yeah, Mustafa. <laughs> he, <laughs> yes, 
he was tied to a sinking ship. He had so much potential, and I think this is – he's great in the group, don't get me wrong, but they are missing the potential. Like you said, if they would have gave him his own faction, yeah, you know, regardless of – which he makes a great heel. Oh, I love it. You know, I love the intensity in his promos, but I just feel like they put him – it's like a, a coach going to a losing NFL team and getting two years to fix it. I mean, it's not going to happen, and I think the group with or without Mustafa Ali, I don't think it's going to work. And that is that's a good analogy of 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 him being tied to a sinking ship, and he's doing the absolute best he can with with this sinking ship that's going down. I mean, it's going down, and there's not much he can do about it other than make the best of it. But he, I think, again, even when this entire ship finally makes it to the bottom of the ocean, which we all were just praying will eventually do sooner than later, I think he has established himself though as a good to great talker. His intensity in promos, it feel he feels authentic. He doesn't feel like he's memorized lines. I mean, he does have that authenticity about him that's really, really difficult to teach. He just has it. And I, I'm really looking forward to post-retribution disaster, where does Mustafa Ali go? And that's what I want. I don't want him to go back to the baby face that just does cool moves like Ricochet, who is, albeit probably the best athlete they have on the roster, he's a guy that is superficial as hell when it comes to character development. He's a very one trick pony in that people only look at his athleticism. They don't look beyond the athleticism to a personality or a character that you can connect with and feel something for. And that's maybe not to the fault of Ricochet, but let's be honest. We all look to Ricochet for his crazy reversals and his is just his, his insane moves that he does, and and that's great. And credit to him, and he's absolutely amazing. But I don't want Mustafa Ali to also suffer that same fate, and I don't think he will because I think he has more character than people realize. And I hope they don't drop the ball on this. But uh, any any final thoughts on Mustafa Ali and Retribution? I'm just really quickly. Yeah. Um, Mustafa Ali. He was kind of in the same boat with Ricochet. So was Cedric Alexander. Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali both have have really dug deep, and 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 they're not going to have to park both of them, you know. And I don't know what they have to do with Ricochet, but as you said, his moves is only going to take him so far. I mean, that's like Kofi Kingston in the Royal Rumble. I love it every year, but it's going to be one year when he's going to run out of tricks. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's where Ricochet is, and he have they need to do some character development. He needs a deeper persona, you know, kind of like what they're doing with Apollo Cruz. I like his edginess, but I'm not gonna get on SmackDown. Well, at the same time, I mean, Apollo's I think about to break out. Which again, I know it's not a SmackDown show, yes. but uh, I'm really excited for what we saw. Again, it was just a conversation with Roman Reigns, but everything Roman touches right now is turned mm-hmm. into gold. And I think a heel Apollo Cruz is going to do wonders for his career. I'll just say that. I totally agree. Um, last point. Yeah. Him on talking smack with Paul Heyman the week before was just incredible. I mean, Paul Heyman always lays down a good promo, but the way Apollo Cruz was receiving what was getting sent to him, oh, I'm I'm totally tuned in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this to me is a fine. I think we can finally say goodbye to the ever-smiling, athletic Apollo Crews, of which those are the only two things he's known for. I mean, a, a great guy, really good in the ring, 
But what is what do people know about Apollo Crews other than he's athletic and he smiles a lot? The answer is nothing. So I think that finally it will be time for Apollo Crews to get uh, the Roman Reigns rub, of which is the hottest commodity in wrestling right now. And I, it, it, I'm very excited to see how this evolves. I mean, I'll, I'll just say that. Uh, I know it was just a conversation, but I think that little conversation is going to spring into something much bigger. So stay tuned for that. Um, but all right, uh, moving on, though, I, I do want to talk about something that was woven throughout the entire show and was really the main event of the show in Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Now, I they built to this throughout the show, which is fine. I'm, I'm fine with a female main event, if it makes sense. And Asuka, as the Raw Women's Champion, of which we all kind of forget she's holding the Women's Championship because she ever, almost never defends it, uh, against Alexa Bliss, who I think has been doing an absolutely spectacular job as the stand-in connection to The Fiend, the, the um, inevit- inevitably returning Fiend in the coming weeks. And uh, this match was, again, um, I'll say this. They, they did have that promo at the beginning of uh, Alexa's playground where she came in, Alexa or uh, Asuka came in, and she was very fearful, very timid, very kind of uh, scared, for lack of a better word. She was just flat-out scared of Alexa Bliss, which was really weird, and I, I don't know. That, I wasn't a fan of that. And then in their match later in the night, she was still kind of hesitant, and eventually she got the upper hand on Alexa. Alexa did this transformation of which I want to see WWE do that in front of a live audience, right? Like they're going to miss that. That product, that production stuff that they're doing right now is going to go away whenever the actual fans come back, which again, who knows when that's happening, but we get this shift in character to like a really dark Alexa bliss. I'm fine with it. I just don't know how it translates to, you know, real life (laughs) in-person crowd. And then she hits Sister Abigail for the win. So I have additional thoughts, but I'll kind of um, pack them away right now. I'm curious as to what you thought about this, this really this whole program that was woven throughout Raw. All right. Um, I'm going to start off with um, it's Kyle. Uh, on Raw Talk, they say it's Kyle the, the Twisted Bliss, <laughs> the Sister Abigail. <laughs> <laughs> but I totally love Alexa's Bliss character. I mean, good God. The way she looks, her her emotion in her eyes, I mean, to really put on, I mean, honestly, <laughs> without the fiend being there, she is the best person to stand in for him. Um, I did like how they wove it in, how she was acting like somebody was in the swing set, and it was very compelling to me. I mean, you really can look at her character, and honestly, if you sit back and, and take uh, analytics out of it, you're like, oh, wow, I'm here, I'm there. And that's what I need wrestling to make me feel like when I can just dive in and be like, I'm here. And they had a great match. I love the match. Um, I'm the same way. I don't mind a, a women's main event. That doesn't bother me. Um, Great match. I love the transformation. No way they can pull that off in front of a real crowd. But, you know, I don't know who is is over her character or who came up with the concept for that. But they nailed that out the park. Uh, Alexis, you mean? Alexis' character? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Alexa, yeah, I mean, she seems to be getting better by the week. I think at first she wasn't kind of sure how to portray this character. It was so different from what she's done over the last several years. And she, to me, is... And, and kind of an early spoiler, I think she is now the front runner to win the Women's Royal Rumble. I think she is... 
has passed um, uh, Bianca Belair, which is a close second for me, and Sonya Deville that I was hoping would be uh, more towards the top, and she's not. But, I mean, for me, I put Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss kind of one-two right there of who could win the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, but this, this program, I, I agree. Like, they in the ring are really good together. I didn't have any concern about the quality of the match. The only thing I was a little bit kind of put off by is that why is Alexa, or um, Oscar rather, be acting like she's so afraid of Alexa Bliss? It was weird to see Oscar, the Raw Women's Champion. She's been through battles. She's been through WrestleMania main events. She's gone, She went on like a 100-plus winning streak. The one that's, you know, she's not afraid of anybody. She'll fight anybody. And all of a sudden, she just kind of cowers like a schoolgirl against Alexa Bliss. Now, the only thing I can think of that doesn't make me angry is she's tied to the fiend and the fiend is capable of anything. Look what the fiend did to her and maybe she'll bring the fiend back. So I want to rant about it, but when I think about that, she's tied to an evil character that maybe she can call upon at any time. I'm like, okay, I get it. I understand maybe why Oscar's a little hesitant. So I'll, I'll, I'm actually going to not rant on that. I thought I was going to come on here and do that, but I talked myself out of it. And Asuka, to me, is – she is – she's Raw Women's Champion. She's the Women's Tag Team Champion. But I think it's time for the Raw Women's Championship to kind of move on. It, it seems like it's getting a little stale with with Asuka. Maybe that's because she doesn't defend it and she won it back in May, unknowingly won it at Money in the Bank in May. So I don't know. Maybe it is a, a combination of things. But – uh I loved this. I love that the women main evented the show and that it was deserving of it, not just because they're the women and they should main event, but it was actually a deserving storyline. And having uh, the, the lights kind of dim and the camera tricks and her going dark, and then at the very end, after the match is over, she goes back to the kind of happy-go-lucky evil character. I, I, I love this. I mean, I, I'm, I have no problem at all. I think Alexa Bliss has completely, as you said, knocked it out of the park and the execution of it, not even just the idea, but Alexa Bliss executing it to how well she has is credit to everybody that's involved in this. So um, I, I really don't have a whole bunch of negative to say about this, even though I thought I was going to. Well, man, I'll tell you this. I know why Oscar was scared because I would have been scared, and I bet you'd have been scared in that too, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way she was looking, good God Almighty! But I do understand that point. Um, Oscar's the women's champion. I didn't know that because it's really not that relevant when she holds the belt. Sad. I mean, sad. yeah. Number one, I don't like for a world champion to be tag team champion. I don't like that personally. I think that that's dumb because eventually you're going to be weak because you're going to drop one of the titles. So I don't like that. Um, I agree. I think it, I think it's very stale. I think it's about two, three, four months stale. I mean, and Charlotte, her and Charlotte being tag team partners, I, I really would like for them to drop it. I don't even care if it's back to, to Nia Jax and um, Shayna Baszler. I mean, I'm okay with that, but I do think they need to drop the tag titles. Um, I agree. I think Alexa Bliss has a great chance of winning the Royal Rumble. The only thing I feel like Alexa, even though she will be the best champ, I don't think she needs it. I don't think her character needs any validation. I mean, she goes in there, she uses her powers as Oscar found out. I don't think she she's like the Undertaker. I mean, the Undertaker don't need it. The Fiend doesn't need it. You know, I think the character stand alone, and I think um, so. 
Could she win it? Yes, but I would I would say I I wouldn't want her to win it. Well, yeah, so they 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 could go that road and the thinking is too i'm actually on board with the whole thinking of the fiend never needing a championship i've i've thought about that for for many many months and they they rushed i think too quickly to give him what was it the universal championship at the time and i wasn't a fan of it at all and we all know what happened with seth rollins at hell in a cell and and all that just nonsense but uh alexa bliss does she need the belt i don't think she needs the belt but i think the championship needs her and i i think that oscar as credible as she is Hasn't done much with it. Creative hasn't done much with it. It's been just sitting there like uh, just like a loaf of bread on a shelf getting stale. And they're not they haven't added much value to it. The the focus has actually been on the women's tag team belts with Charlotte and Asuka over although over the last few weeks. That's also been forgotten because they've kind of delved into their own storylines. And we'll get to Charlotte next. But with uh, the Raw Women's Championship, it feels very kind of just like a prop. It doesn't feel like it's super important. No one's asking to challenge for it. There's no tournaments. There's no number one contenderships for it. It's just kind of there. And I believe the last time that she even defended it, albeit this is kind of a, I hate to say joke of a match, but when Lana was basically forced by Asuka to challenge for it about two months ago, that's the last time that she was even put the belt up. For, uh, for for an opportunity for somebody else. And so does Asuka or does Alexa Bliss need it? No, but I think the championship needs her. And maybe she holds the belt and whoever can snap her out of this is what may, whoever takes the belt from her maybe is what snaps her out of this, this spell that the Fiend has on her. I don't know. I mean, th- there's a lot of ways to go with this, but I think it'd be kind of cool seeing Alexa Bliss carry that championship every single week. I don't want the Fiend as champion, but I think Alexa Bliss, it's been a really long time since Alexa Bliss has been champion, too. I don't even know, remember the last time? It's probably been a couple of years since Alexa Bliss has held the Raw mm-hmm. Women's Championship. So there's also that, too. Well, see, I'm I'm totally opposite from you on this one. I feel like the Fiend should be champion for a long time. You know, I feel like the Fiend should literally hold the belt. And this is, I'm not exaggerating, two plus years. Whoa. I miss the days of a dominant champion holding the belt. I mean, like JBL, good God, I hated JBL, but he would hold on to the belt. The, the, the fiend being a champion for years, not being able to take it from him. You know, I think wrestling needs that. It's been a while since we had that. We're spoiled. Belts change all the time. I don't mind belts changing on free TV, but I do think belts kind of change a little often, especially the main, the top two belts, besides Oscar, obviously. But Mm -hmm. I would love to see The Fiend have a long run. I would love for Alexa Bliss to be next to him the whole time, you know, but I don't think her character needs it. And I agree. The WWE Women's Championship, it needs validation. I mean, what Oscar's done, not defending it, not really being any rivalries even involving it. I mean, that's doing a disservice. So I agree with you on that fact. But I do think other people, Shayna Baszler, um, Nia Jax, I love Nia Jax Hill. But I think somebody else should take and run with the podium, you know. Um, obviously, they want to give it back to Charlotte eventually, but I don't like the babyface Charlotte if that's what she's supposed to be. Yeah, but, um, yeah. that's Charlotte. my thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I see what you're saying. And I, look, I am all for, I'll agree with you on this. I'll agree with you on that. I would love 
a champion that is years. Imagine, I will tell. I don't think it'll ever happen. I think there would be revolt. I think people would get just literally up in arms about the fact that someone even holds it for like six to twelve months. I mean, people even start to get antsy after a couple of months, which is also speaking to the attention span of today's younger fan. You and I, I would love a long-term run for a heel as champion. I think you know you get to WrestleMania and you think, oh, that heel's finally going to drop it. It's WrestleMania, and they retain. You get to the next WrestleMania, they retain. I mean, the thing is though, to keep that momentum going is not easy especially with one person holding the belt for that long. I wouldn't enjoy Roman Reigns that long as champion, and I despised him as champion as the babyface. But in this current character, if Roman Reigns were to hold it, and it's a year from now, it is March ni- or, um, January 19th, 2022, I would, lo- I, I would be so angry at Roman Reigns as champion that he still is champion. Imagine the heat he would have. I mean, so... I'm all for the long-term champion being there for a the heel champion being there for a long time, but I just don't think in this current the the, the current environment of you know the, the the intention spans of people, especially younger fans, being really really short, that they would even have the patience to do that. Um, However, when you look at what they've done in the past with Roman Reigns, I mean, could it happen? I could see him, you know, capturing or uh, retaining it for several months, but I don't know. Um, the, the Fiend, though, I don't think needs it, only because how are you, how are you going to beat him? Unless your name's Goldberg from last year, how are you going to beat him? Lighting him on fire doesn't, you know, make him go away. I think they've kind of booked themselves into a corner that he's the guy that just doesn't sell anything. Uh, I mean, he would be champion, and and in in a way that's like, well, you know, if lighting him on fire doesn't doesn't beat him, like, what are we gonna do, right? Like, I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, any, any final thoughts on that? And I mean, I totally agree. Um, but that's the WWE's writing creative problem again. I mean, you make him so indestructible. So that's my point. As you put it, he's so indestructible. Fire don't kill him. Why is he not champ? <laughs> Well, he hasn't focused I mean, on the championship. I mean, so he, exactly. But yeah. but I'm saying if if you can't light him on fire and get rid of him, how can he not get the belt and be champion for a long time? You know, what would keep him off the path for the championship? You know, in a in a logical world. But I do agree, he doesn't need it at all. I would love to see him do that with Roman Reigns. I would love for for Dallas and then LA come around and he's still champion. Imagine that wouldn't bother me. Oh man. You know, or, or, or they could have did it with Randy Orton. Instead of giving the belt back to Drew, Randy Orton is hated. I don't like Randy Orton, and I love heels. Mm-hmm. And So they could have yep. ran Randy Orton for a while. And to that quick point about Randy Orton, since he brought that up, I mean, Drew McIntyre is doing these at-home promos, and he made sure this past week to uh, sit in his home gym and show us how much he can bench, which I actually added up. I think it's like 405. Uh, he was benching 405 based on the number of plates that was on the side. I mean, it was just so obvious. But he talked about how he has a unblemished record, or, or he said, look at my record of defending the WWE Championship. You know, that basically was flawless, and he's never lost. I'm like, wait a minute. Are we just all forgetting about Hell in a Cell? I mean, did, are we forgetting about that pit stop that you didn't have the belt for three weeks because you lost it to Randy Orton? Which I, I really, really disagree with now that they didn't do anything with it. I thought that, okay, they're going to do it. Let's take Randy Orton to the extreme, make him champion, let him go crazy, and build all this heat. But they didn't do anything. They just gave it back to Drew on free TV You know, three weeks later, and oh, he's champion. Okay, great. I, I just, I was really a, a, a not happy with that result of not just Randy winning, which I was fine with because he was a great heel, 
but just the follow-up. Like, well, if you just held it for three weeks, what the hell is the point? Like, why, why are we doing this, right? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what that was all for. And But, but Drew McIntyre saying that he's uh, basically a flawless record defending the championship is just flat-out wrong. I mean, that speaks to the the belief that wrestling fans don't remember things that are beyond, like, a week or two. And my thing, think about this. Let's just back up a little bit. Say Randy doesn't lose the belt. He faces the Fiend in the Inferno match for the belt and lights him on fire. Good God, he's the best champion ever. They missed. And I don't know why they dropped it. Personally, I think it was because of the Survivor Series. That's just my, I don't know, you know, I'm not big on the spoilers myself, but I think that's that was the the problem. You don't want to see Randy versus Roman. They're both heels. Whether true or false, I don't know. But I I think that was their thinking. They short-term booked it. They said, oh, God, we messed up. We had to put it back on Drew. But I know you're going to disagree with me on this one. I wish Drew would have lost to the TLC. I would love to see AJ being champ with almost let him let almost start getting a little bit more in these matches, getting more of a heel heat to him. Cause we all wonder about him. He's so mysterious. You know, he's finally starting to talking, which is nice. Or even the Miz. I know the Miz gets a lot of, a lot of crap. And I know we're going to talk about the Miz later, but you're going to hate me for this. But when the Miz ran to the ring and John Morrison handed in that case, the casual wrestling fan was saying, Klein Miz, get the belt. So for all the people that hate the Miz, I hate the Miz too. But in that split second, I was saying, get the belt, Miz, please. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. Uh, okay. I, I will say I was I was not doing that. I was I was saying, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I was, you know, I, I was I was I was sitting there clenching my fists in absolute terror and horror of what could happen. And he, now he's got the belt back or the, uh, the briefcase back. So we'll, we'll talk about that, of course, in a little bit. Um, so you can kind of present a few things here with, with Drew McIntyre. Um, that's exactly what it is. The reason was that they didn't see past what they were doing and they didn't think about survivor series until, Oh crap. Now Orton's got the belt. Now what are we going to do? Oh, we got to put it back on Drew. Well, th- to me, I was a huge proponent against Drew versus Roman at Survivor Series because it made no sense. I mean, why would you give away a WrestleMania main event, which is what that match could have been if you kept them in separate worlds doing their own things, which really Drew McIntyre is the exact, um, really just the exact image and the exact level of success that Vince probably envisioned for Roman Reigns as babyface champion, except it's Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is what they thought Roman Reigns could be as a babyface, but they are kept on separate brands in their own worlds. And you just keep fantasizing. Oh man, I, you know, if they ever got together, that match would be awesome. And they do it for what survivor series for an exhibition match. That meant absolutely nothing to also, not only did that mean nothing and you blew that, you blew that uh, interest for no reason, but you also had Randy Orton drop the belt after three weeks. It just, it was a bad decision all around. I'm fine with heel versus heel. I mean, that can happen. That that should happen every once in a while. Randy Orton ran, and, uh, and uh, Roman Reigns to me would have been way more interesting than Drew and Roman. 
only because, as you are, I'm a patient fan that wants to see things build, and WWE is so short-sighted sometimes that they can't see the forest through the trees. They just look at it and go, oh, how do we make this show as big as possible? The hell with whatever happens down the line. Fans will forget anyway, and we're just going to only focus on tonight. It's just bad storyline management when they could have been building Roman versus Drew for WrestleMania, which to me is a WrestleMania main event. And now look what we've got. But you're right. I I actually am not going to disagree with you on the AJ thing because I thought to myself, well, if AJ wins and he's got almost, which I'm, I'm more of a fan of every week. um, I, I hope they get him more involved and maybe he'll be in some capacity at the rumble. But if AJ had won that match at TLC that would mean Drew's in the Rumble. He could catch or he could uh, have won the Rumble and then chosen to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I mean, there's so many ways you could have gone. I, I was not against that, actually. But The Miz, oh, yeah, I, I'm not on board with that. <laughs> oh, I, Trust me, I'm not a Miz fan, but you guys know why. We're watching the show, and I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't want Drew to win. I wanted AJ to win with their build. I wanted somebody besides Drew. But when when the Miz ran down, I'm screaming at TV, climb, and he's sitting here tying, and I'm like, oh, God, there's no fans there, and he's just playing. He's not going to win. But on the Roman thing, the only reason why I would be against um, Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton, which I agree with you, heel versus heel, that's not a problem to me. I disagree with top heel versus top heel. I mean, Roman Reigns is the top heel of SmackDown. Uh, Randy Orton is top heel of Raw. Would fans... Would fans really be like, I want to see this match? Or are you making them pick a side? Well, you got to make them pick a side. I mean, there's just no way about it. It's happened in the past. I mean, I, I don't know if you remember back in uh, 2000, if you were watching with Kurt Angle versus Triple H. Both were heels at the time, and they didn't disseminate. But you, yeah, I mean, but, but you know Kurt Angle was the top heel. I mean, good God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they also presented a storyline, too, that kind of led you to Kurt Angle. I mean, I, I, that was actually when Triple H or Kurt Angle had actually kissed Stephanie McMahon and Triple H was angry about it. And then but Stephanie didn't really resist the kiss. It was during that whole angle. Uh, and so my point is heel versus heel can happen and you can have the fans choose. And the reason you can have them choose is because it's for one night. There's no consequence for any loss for anybody because at the end of the day, when they go back to their own worlds the next night, there's zero consequence because they're they're back into their own storylines. You know, it, it's really exhibition. There's zero consequences. It's Survivor Series. This isn't a normal pay per view. It's kind of like off the beaten path. It has no real res, no real uh, domino effect at all. So. I mean, you could have had heel versus heel. Fans just say, hey, this is great. We haven't seen these two match up in a while. Let's see what happens. One of them wins, maybe by hook or crook, because they're both heels. Maybe they both try to cheat to win. That way, the heel that's in the losing position doesn't have to lose it, worry about uh, any uh, any of their their status being dropped because I lost by a low blow. I lost by somebody rolling up my tights. I lost by the referee not seeing my foot on the ropes. And then they just go back into their normal stories. So they could have been fine with Randy and, and, uh, and Roman, but uh, I don't know. Uh, So, but speaking of heels, I I do want to ask about Charlotte and what the hell is going on with her dad and Lacey Evans. So, I'm going to toss this to you because, well, this past week we did get Charlotte. Um, She was in a match with Peyton Royce, and she ended up beating Peyton Royce 
which I actually didn't think she would because Ric Flair came out and he came out right at the opportune time where I was like, okay, it's going to be a roll up or she's going to hit her finish and, you know, Charlotte's going to lose. But what the hell's going on with Charlotte and Flair and uh, Lacey Evans? Well, man, I got a feeling (laughs) I'm going to be on the other side of the fence on you this one too. I like it. I know. Just hear me out. When I um, came up watching wrestling, Ric Flair came in the WWE. He was on the tail end of his career. All right. So I didn't get a chance to relive the the glory days of Ric Flair. So in my COVID process, I have really went back and, and, and watched Ric Flair. You know, I watched his 30 for 30 and I watched um, a lot of his old promos from WCW back in the 80s. Ric Flair is playing his role. That's what he does. He gets women. <laughs> Hook or crook. He's going to do what he got to do. Yeah. Now, um, I've heard one of your co-hosts say that this has happened in the past, and that might be why I'm more okay with this, because it probably happened and I wasn't watching at the time. But right now, do I like it? I like Rick Flero, I can say that honestly. I just wish Charlotte was the, the, the heel of the situation. You know, I feel like that's the only issue I have with it. If Charlotte was the heel, if she was berating her dad and Lacey Evans was coming and like consoling him and trying to protect him, I, I would be on board for that. I just don't like that Charlotte is is being framed as the baby face of this situation. So that's number one that I have a problem with about Charlotte Flair being a baby face. Char- Charlotte Flair should never, ever be a baby face. Like, almost never. She, she never feels comfortable in it. I mean, she just feels forced. There's just never any organic chemistry with her being a baby face. She is born to be a heel. And I think they should just learn to just keep her as a heel. And, and so we can all just move on with our lives. But so that's number one. You're right. I'll agree with you on that, that she's cast incorrectly in terms of how this storyline is being played out. But Ric Flair, I'll also agree with you, believe it or not, that yes, that's what Ric Flair does. That's what he's done his whole career. At 72 years old, more power to him if he wants to go, you know, and, and get a, a 29, 30 year old woman. And that, that in storyline, of course, that's great. Go for it, man. You know, send her back to your hotel, whatever. I, I get it. He's still styling a profile at 70 some years old. Congratulations, Rick. And, and, you know, no disrespect that that's what he does. That's his gimmick. That's wonderful. Here's the problem with all of this is that what's the end game? You can't do an end game for this because you can't have Charlotte Flair versus Ric Flair. You, you, obviously, you can't. You, you you can't have a match. Charlotte probably won't even slap him. There's no physicality that's going to come to Rick because of his condition, and uh, rightfully so. So there's no payoff to this. And you have Charlotte Flair, who has forged her own career outside of her dad, has really come into her own. She doesn't need her dad anymore. She got into this business because of her dad, no doubt. But she has stayed in this business and thrived in this business and succeeded in this business because of her own efforts, her own execution and creative, certainly that helped her along the way. So Ric Flair is no longer needed in any capacity whatsoever with Charlotte Flair. It's kind of like taking three steps back as if everywhere Charlotte goes, oh, now you think of Rick or Rick and Charlotte, Rick and Charlotte. No, this is about Charlotte. Rick is, to me, he had his time. It's time to move into Charlotte's reign and, and, and what she's doing. They're, on top of that, they're not even allowing Rick to really explain anything. Lacey Evans spoke for him. Uh, 
Charlotte, in her promo after the match, didn't address Rick. She addressed Lacey Evans. So, obviously, they're getting to a Lacey Evans versus Charlotte match, which I don't know what they're fighting over. I don't know. What's the anger? I mean, I don't know. Um, okay, you're sleeping with my dad. You know, well, so did, like, 300 other women. Like, I mean, join the club. You know, so I, I don't – this, to me, is no payoff. It takes the focus away from Charlotte Flair, which it should be on Charlotte. The women's tag team belts are long gone in the minds of fans in terms of being in, you know, in, in prominence and in focus. It's about Ric Flair sleeping with Lacey Evans. Why the hell is that the focus of this past Monday night? I don't know, but that's where we're at. It is, and <laughs> it's funny the way you say it. I mean, I agree to a certain extent. I don't think this... Obviously, this is not the give Charlotte a rub. I mean, we can agree on that. This is not a Charlotte rub. So I don't think that Ric Flair has virtually anything to do with Charlotte besides me and her daddy, which we all know, so it's not like a secret. Um, but I don't mind it. I mean, like said, Evans took a ride on Space Mountain, as Ric Flair would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I hear but, that. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but that's... That's his that's his character. And I agree. Um, maybe the storyline should be without Charlotte in it, or like I said, maybe she should be the heel. But I do agree. I don't think it has an end game. You got a good point there. What's what's the end game? Her being even more of a baby face and saving her daddy from Lacey Evans. I mean, good God, that's even worse. I, yeah. Uh, that's the thing. Like, okay, you beat Lacey Evans. Is that going to really stop her from sleeping with your dad? Or should you even care of who your dad sleeps with? You know, you and Lacey Evans aren't exactly friends. It's not like one of your close, you know, kayfabe friends ended up sleeping with your dad and they betrayed you or whatever. No, this is Lacey Evans, who is an opponent anyway. So, okay, you beat Lacey Evans. What's the stipulation? You can't sleep with my dad anymore if if I win? Okay, how you policing that? I mean, this this has this this is bizarre. It's just to get Ric Flair on TV, I think. Although he's not playing a big ver- uh, verbal role, which, I mean, I'd like to at least hear the explanation or what's going on or what. Nothing. There's there's no direct connection between the two. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Rick ends up trying to cost, and does cost, her his own daughter two matches in a row, two weeks in a row, obviously last week and the week before. So, I mean, why do you have to turn on your own daughter if you want to sleep with the girl? Why do you have to turn on... Uh, your daughter to sleep with you know Lacey Evans again. This is also of course storyline that we're talking here, but this this is just weird. Um, I, I think it's really taking the focus off of what Charlotte should be focused on, and it, there's no end game. There's none. Okay, Lacey Evans and you in a match. That that's it. For what? Just because uh, I don't like you because you're a heel and I'm a baby face and you're sleeping with my dad. I I don't know. Uh, so oh boy. Uh, okay. Anything? I was say, yeah. Let's let's remember this though, because I think we're forgetting this. Charlotte is a tag team champion. So is Oscar. Peyton Royce tags with Lacey Evans. Oh, yeah. Maybe this is the end game is to get the belts off of Oscar and Charlotte. I mean, uh, obviously, you wouldn't think those two would lose to <laughs> Lacey Evans. Yeah. I'm fine <laughs> with it, though. Royce, but with Ric Flair factor. Yep. I just don't know why he needs to go after his daughter to do this. I mean, that, that's why that's a thing. It's not like, you know, again, Flair, Charlotte and her dad can't have a match. And they've kind of had that on and on, on again, off again relationship. We've seen Charlotte turn heel on Rick before, and then they got back together. I mean, we've seen this play out before. This isn't anything new, except now Rick is the one turning on her. I guess it's the only combination we haven't seen. But if this is an end game to just get the belts off of them, fine. Because I don't think they should be tag team champions right now. Like as you said, with Oscar being a double champion, I don't think that that is really something that is that really is a 
a benefactor to the women's division when you have one woman holding two belts, just like when Becky Lynch held uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship and the Raw Women's Championship. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you can only hold those belts for so long before you eventually have to just drop them. And I hope that that's what happens here because Charlotte and Asuka don't need them. They added credibility, mission accomplished, and they put focus on the women's tag team belts. But that, I think, is much better suited to a team that needs to uh, to kind of grow, and that is maybe Peyton Royce. I mean, she broke up with the tag team just to get back in another. It's it's a really odd one there too. But uh, okay, I, I do want to move on. And, uh, and one last yeah, point. Yeah, can I get in there with yeah, you? Sh- last time, I'm sorry. Shoot. <laughs> um, also, that could be a vehicle to turn Charlotte heel. They could have the match. Charlotte loses because her dad in the field. She gets mad. She beats Oscar up and tells her she won a match. And since everybody can just announce they won a match. And there you go. All of a sudden, Charlotte's back here again. The belt's off of him, and everything's accomplished. Uh, yeah. Look, if if you if those two things happen, if they drop the tag team championships <laughs> and Charlotte turns heel, only to see Ric Flair. I mean, j- j- just so we could see Ric Flair like make out with Lacey Evans, and uh, fine. Like I will take that as a balanced equation. If those are the two things that happen, just. If we need to continue to see Ric Flair out there again, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It just is bizarre because you can't pay this off with anything other than maybe a heel turn and a uh, drop of the tag team belts. Fine. Uh, I'll, I will take that deal if it was presented to me. So, okay. Um, the next thing here I want to ask you about is, <laughs> oh gosh, uh, the Miz segment. Uh, and the Miz and Morrison, because we got to have a dirt sheet or a talking or a um, what's the other one? a Miz TV almost every week. Almost. I don't think it happened last week. They took a week off last week, but we got the dirt sheet this week with Goldberg that we were told was going to be there. And it came out to be Gilberg. And then Drew McIntyre's music hit. And it was a, a midget version of Drew McIntyre. Now, we've seen these things play out in WWE's history of midgets playing you know, whoever. We've seen this many, many times throughout the years. So this isn't a new concept. But we got Gilberg. We've got the faux Drew McIntyre. What do you what did you think about this segment? Uh, did you enjoy it? Did you laugh at it? What did you think? Let me start off by saying Corey. Oh, Corey. don't even. <laughs> oh, don't even. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's under my skin. All right. Let me be honest with you. Honest opinion. When Gilbert came back, I laughed as hard as I could. I mean, once again, back to nostalgia. It was hilarious. It was funny. Me and my wife with the sparklers and the fire thing, which, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I seen it again on Raw Talk later. I laughed again. It was hilarious. But after that point, all the rest of that was crap. You know, I didn't like – I'm not going to nitpick it. Everything was horrible. But obviously the Drew McIntyre character, Lord have mercy, then you didn't even try. Like, they're trying to be funny, and it's not. Gilbert came out there. He did the Gilbert thing. It was hilarious to me. He didn't try. He just do what he always do. Um, the Miz and Morrison banner was horrible. You know, I, I'm going to let you do your rant. I know you got a rant coming, but I want to put this in there, too. I know we had a conversation about this, and I am not trying to get into it on where I'll talk about the conversation, but this is Hill Heat. As your man said, Last uh, on your Sunday review, it might be channel changing heel heat, but it's still heel heat. 
Okay, so <laughs> here's what I'm going to say about, first of all, just your first, your last thing first, about Heel Heat. I, I think I've come to a much clearer way to say this. And you know what? You're right. Heel Heat, whether it's channel changing or you want to see that person get beat up, is Heel Heat. But I think I'll rephrase and clarify that by saying there's a difference between non-money drawing Heel Heat and money drawing Heel Heat. Money drawing heel heat is the heel heat that you want to see a babyface take that person down. You want to see them get beat up. Randy Orton and Roman Reigns are the top two examples in WWE, I think, among others, but they're really at the very top. The others are non-money heel heat that are that don't mean anything or make you want to change the channel because it's either embarrassing or really unwatchable, and you don't care if they get their ass kicked. That means you have a non-emotional investment. You'd rather watch something else. I don't think WWE is going for non-money-drawing, channel-changing heat. Yeah, it could be classified as heel heat. That's fine. But if people are changing the channels because they're so annoyed by it and watching something else, then that becomes a problem because it's a problem for their wallet, their bottom line. Less people are watching, which means less sponsorships, which means a less uh, a smaller piece of the pie in terms of revenue, uh, drawing ads, and all that, all that stuff. So I would like to address that first. Secondly, with uh, with this with this whole thing, you know, I will say this. And now I thought I was going to absolutely come on here and lose my mind and, and pop a blood vessel. Gilbert saved it, as you mentioned. I think Gilbert saved it for me because he is just so ridiculous especially at this age. I mean, we saw this happen like 15, 20 years ago when they brought Gilberg out and he was hilarious then. And it's hilarious now that this old man now uh, who comes out and uh, just the average body type Joe comes out and uh, does his faces. His faces are where the money's at, right? Like, cause he kind of does the <laughs> overexertion of the faces that Goldberg does. And it may kind of makes you laugh at Goldberg now because he does those ridiculous faces. And uh, the sparklers, I love that. He, he The fire extinguisher, when he comes out and he gets, like, knocked down by the fire extinguisher, he can't, he falls into the ring. I mean, all these just, it's ridiculous. But he, this guy's made a living, as Corey Graves put it, uh, that, you know, not Corey, maybe Tom Phillips or Byron Saxon. This guy has made a living of really mocking Goldberg throughout his career, and it's been hilarious to watch. So I will say that, which has nothing to do with Miz and Morrison. I just find Gilbert hilarious. So there's that. But then they did, as you said, Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre was not done well. I mean, he just, it was not good um, past him walking into the ring. Like, in the entrance ramp, his hair fell off. Like, okay, like, whatever. He put the sword in the uh, in, in the ramp, and then he walked down to the ring. And then he comes in, and he's like, oh, and I forget my lines. Or he, he was doing almost like breaking the fourth wall, which wasn't funny. Like, I don't want to know that you're... You're, you're, you didn't remember your script because you're actually scripted to say you didn't remember your script. It was really not good. It wasn't funny. Um, yeah, he, it was a low light and obviously Miz and Morrison do their sophomore crap that I didn't like either. But, um, I, I will say I gave this, this grade of a segment, like a CC plus only because of Gilbert had Gilbert, Gilbert not been involved. This would be a much different talking, um, a much different language in my speaking right now. So. Yeah, I totally agree on. Like I told you, Gilbert did it for me. Hilarious, funny. I mean, every time I see him, even my wife, he was busting a gut. <laughs> Hilarious. Let me ask you a question, though. I'm off topic. If you have to choose, Mills or Morrison, who is it? 
Uh, you mean to if I had to cheer for someone? If you had to cheer, if you had to pick someone to cheer for, Mia the Morrison. I'd say Morrison. Only as much as I despise him at times, who, who is just an awkward promo. I'm not a fan of Morrison on the mic, even when he's not being like a 15 year old uh, boy in high school. That, I mean, I'm not a fan of Morrison on the mic at all. Um, you just he's just he doesn't have it, but. In the ring, I think he's better than The Miz. That's where things differentiate, is where Morrison is much better in the ring. And I think he has a better presence than The Miz, who has not evolved at all in WWE. He just went basically from reality TV to occasional flashes of a great heel, cutting good promos to great promos like once every four years, and then reverting back to... This, which is where Miz has been stuck almost his entire career of being this like pretend A-lister Hollywood star that just has has a massive ego, and he comes up with catchphrases every now and then. I I just I cannot stand this character, and it makes me it makes me just it's embarrassing, quite frankly. I mean, so that I mean that that's what I got to say about that. But to answer your question. I would cheer if I had to. It would be for Morrison. Oh, yes. Morrison, I think he should, which obviously the group sucks, but I think he should be in the Miz position. I mean, he's a great in-ring ability, even at his age. I mean, his physique is, is there. Um, I just hate it that he's relegated to a sidekick. I mean, Morrison could be going after at least – <clears throat> the U.S. title, the Intercontinental title. I mean, he's good enough to go for a mid-level card uh, uh, title. And and it just sucks that he's, I guess, he'll back by the Miz if you want to put it that way. That That's the thing. He feels like a prisoner, right? Like, he feels like he's, like, the creative have just handcuffed him to the Miz forever. And I, I don't know why they've done that. I don't know who they think they're serving with this audience uh, in terms of this this type of comedy, I don't know. Maybe Vince McMahon is the only one that finds him funny. I don't know. Um, I think that Morrison is. What? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I think Morrison right now is still like you said. I mean, with the shape he's in, and I think he's over 40 years old. I think um, that he is still in really, really good shape and is still really good in the ring. That they're wasting time and daylight right now with a character that is just just really spinning its wheels with the Miz uh, doing the same thing they were doing in 2008. Like, I don't need that version of them anymore. Let them go. Let Morrison do his own thing. He's capable of more. And I agree. And to your point about heel heat, um, the Miz and Morrison, I don't think they're generated to make money. They're not for that, especially currently because they're mid-level carters. I mean, you wouldn't pay – most people don't pay to see mid-level carters anyway. Um, but I, we can agree on this. If they if they came out to the rain, they would get booed. Gilbert would have got cheers, but Ms. Morrison would have yep. got booed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Building. For sure. No question. <laughs> yeah, th- there's no question about it. Like, I mean, Gilbert is so – he's a lovable loser. And he's just, he is just so over dramatic with his, I, the facials are what get it for me and the fire extinguisher get it for me. Uh, it, it is, yeah. I mean, Gilbert, you can go back. He's, I mean, you've seen him before. It, he, he's come out maybe like three, four times in WWE being Gilbert, maybe more. But over the years, I can remember just a mm. few t- handful of times of him being Gilbert. I think he even came face to face with Goldberg at one point um, during his last run. So, uh, yeah, it is, it, it's a great character of great spinoff that they've done so um 
So the next match here I have is AJ Styles and Ricochet. And uh, we got another, of course, you knew what you were going to get with this match. You knew it was going to be insanely good uh, just because of the, 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 the pure talent and athleticism in this match. Almost does kind of get involved by catching Ricochet and drops him per the referee's instruction uh, pretty pretty viciously. And that wasn't a DQ, but I'll let it go. So um, the, the the finish of this match I've never seen before. It was really good with the, uh, the bounce off the ropes into the Styles Clash. I mean, there's not a whole lot of margin for error on that move. And I thought that was really well done. Uh, and obviously, AJ's get, AJ's gets the win. What did you think about this match? I can tell you, man, I watched that, that, that finish. Good God, I watched it 10, 15 times. They had to practice that several times. I mean, the way he bounced off perfectly right into AJ Styles' arms. Boom for the Styles Clash. One, two, three. It was great. I did notice almost, almost dropped Ricochet. <laughs> he had to just yes. everything he had to pull him back up to drop him again. <laughs> I thought it was funny, and it, and it played up to how high he is up because, good God, uh, Ricochet thudded when he hit the ground. And I mean, <laughs> but it was a great match. As you said, you knew what you were going to get. Ricochet is always great. AJ Styles, I don't think he gets the credibility that he deserves. I mean, good God almighty, the stuff he does every night, the way he says, I mean, I don't have to tell you, I know you know, but AJ Styles, I mean, obviously, he's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. I wish he would have won the belt, as I said earlier. He deserves it right now. He's doing a great job. He's he's good on promos. Um, almost, or however they said it on Raw Talk today, he he does a great job. He's so mysterious. That, that package it works, and AJ Styles works, and, and I love it. I don't want to see almost wrestle in the next year. I am perfectly okay with the with the tandem they have. I just want them to get some sort of belt to solidify that 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 duo. They should put a belt. I know AJ feels like he's been uh, just kind of floating out there for a while until almost, or yeah, like I said. There's like three ways to pronounce it. I'm going to say almost, almost, Amos. I think it's almost, I think. So, um, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So AJ Styles, until he met almost and they became a a pairing, AJ just, as great as he is, did feel very, very stale. And I'm glad that almost added so much to his character. We're really out saying a word, which is really insanely crazy to think about. That this guy hasn't said really anything, and AJ is feeling more relevant than he has in, in probably over a year. So, um, we again, I'm glad that AJ Styles got this victory. I don't know what it means for AJ Styles. I think he'll be probably one of the final four in the Royal Rumble. I don't think he'll win it. I think there's a small chance that he wins it. I think there's other, you know, bigger fish in the sea, so to speak. But I wouldn't be shocked if he won the Royal Rumble. So, I guess that's my next question to you, because I, I kind of tipped my hand on who I think is going to win the women's. But who do you think could win the Royal Rumbles on, on both ends? Do you have maybe not a pick, but the, a, like a top two or three? <laughs> I have a plethora. <laughs> but to narrow that number down, uh, and a couple of these people, well, I know one of them for sure is injured. Braun Strowman, he injured his knee. Um, supposedly, um, he didn't have to have surgery going through rehab. I would love to see him come in as a surprise interest. I don't know if that's possible or not, but I think that's an outside person that people haven't heard his name brought up at all. 
And I don't know if that's by design or what, but I would like to see uh, uh, Braun Strowman come in and, and destroy everybody. That would be great. Um, I don't want to see Keith Lee win it. I know he's asked for who I want, but I don't want to see Keith Lee win. I don't want to see nobody from NXT win. Um, for me, I like Bobby Lashley. It would be nice for him to win, to get the hurt visit. I don't know how you pull the U.S. belt off of him, but that would be nice for him to get the win. Um, on the women's side, I I agree the EST or SmackDown or the WWE, you know, Bianca Belair. Um, I think we should watch out for Nia Jax or, or Shayna Baszler. They keep playing up this back and forth and both women saying in the rain, you know, or Shane at least saying when we get to the Royal Rumble, they one for itself. I would like to watch that that duo, you know, to see what could really happen. Um, who else? Um, what about um Seth Rollins? Yeah, people forget about him, and I mean he's not injured. He's just home with his child, right? He's just home with Becky and uh, their their newborn. So, which, by the way, I've said this many times, and I'll continue to say it. Those that think Becky Lynch is going to be in the Royal Rumble surprise entrant, you are dreaming, right? Like, it's, it would be absurd that she's in the Rumble, even if she was physically able. That she, after, like, a month, she would just be like, oh, you know, see you later. I'm going to uh, leave my month-old child. With I mean, it's just not going to happen. So, um, yeah, Seth Rollins is certainly a contender. He is certainly a contender. But here's what I think is going to happen with the men's side. And hear me out. I, I think here's what's going to happen. There, there are so many possibilities. Seth Rollins is certainly one of them. Uh, Bobby Lashley's up there. AJ Styles is up there. Randy Orton is certainly up there. I think those could be your final four. But I think ultimately, th- this is this is probably why I think it's going to happen, is that we have Drew McIntyre drop the belt to Goldberg at the Rumble, enter the Rumble, and win the Rumble for the second year in a row. Uh, and then go and challenge Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Now, of course, this is this is very, very, um, <laughs> uh, I think, in the minority of what people are thinking because, well, we just got Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre at the at Survivor Series. But it's I think that's a better matchup than anybody else that's on SmackDown for Roman Reigns for WrestleMania. I just, I mean, I do. I don't need Braun Strowman Roman Reigns. I don't need Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns because of where they've positioned Bryan over the last few months. So, that's my pick with the the men's side. With the women's side, I'm sticking with what I said. I, I think Alexa Bliss is going to win the Royal Rumble for the for the women. You know, I agree on the on the point of Drew dropping the bill, and I hate it because Goldberg is um, what did uh, Double J Jeff Jarrett say? He huh. is a spear and a jackhammer. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he exposed them no without more, even. No yeah, miss. yeah, I know. <laughs> That's what you get, you know. And I don't want that. I feel like going back to Braun Strowman and the knee issue. You know, him dropping the belt to Braun would have been accepted. You know, if they build it and really put, you know, the hurt business interfering a lot, I think they would even take Bobby Lashley taking it over um, Drew. But for Goldberg to once again come in on 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 on, on the guy that everybody likes, and he kills your joy. He, he he takes candy from babies every every time he comes back and, and takes the bill from a top guy. Yeah, I mean, and 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 for 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 up and coming stars to have to give a legend a rub. I mean, I'm I'm just not here for that, honestly. Um, am I gonna watch the match? Yes. Oh, for sure. Do I think Drew's gonna lose? Most likely. 
you know. But I do want to know the long game. Say they do take the belt from um, Drew, they give to Goldberg. What do you think the long plan would be for that? You know, obviously he's going to hold it till WrestleMania, but who do you think would take it from if Goldberg does get the belt? That's the thing, right? Like, I actually have not thought about that beyond my logic for the Rumble. It, again, I've got the SmackDown piece set with Drew versus Roman Reigns, but then who the hell faces Goldberg for the WWE Championship? That's, that is the key. That's the one I don't, I don't know. And it could be somebody coming from NXT. Uh, and maybe it's Keith Lee. Uh, I, although, I, like you said, I, I don't want Keith Lee in a championship picture right now. I, I think that he is a future huge star but I don't want the too much too soon thing. And I feel like if they put him in a main event right now, that's going to be too much too soon. And I'm willing for the slow burn because I keep think Keith Lee's going to be worth it. So uh, I don't know what they would do with Goldberg in a main event. If he captures the belt, which I'm sadly scared that he will from Drew McIntyre, and Drew McIntyre doesn't choose Goldberg for a rematch, and he chooses Roman Reigns, who the hell faces Goldberg for the championship? I honestly don't know that picture. Although, when you think about it, maybe it is Drew and The Rock comes back and faces Roman. Um, again, if, if Goldberg does this, I don't know how you keep him babyface, or at least how they pump in those fake cheers for Goldberg if he beats Roman or beats Drew McIntyre at the Rumble. There's just nobody in their right mind, I don't think, that has been watching wrestling for more than like you know a year would, would realize that this is a terrible move. And that no way in, in any universe is Goldberg the babyface in this scenario. The guy that comes in does the very thing that he accused Drew McIntyre of thinking. He attacked... Remember, the whole premise for this is what Goldberg thought Drew was thinking, right? Like, there's nothing Drew actually did. It's all about respect because apparently Goldberg can read the mind of Drew and he knew that Drew was disrespecting the legends in his mind. It's, it's preposterous of where this whole thing stands, and it's also extremely hypocritical of Goldberg to, to, to talk about respect being the, the whole point of what he did, considering he just disrespected the WWE champion and the WWE championship by coming in and demanding a match of which a 55-year-old guy that was in WCW most of your career just thinks that he is an automatically qualified and, and deserving of a championship match just because I walk out here. I mean, it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. My whole point to this is, if Goldberg wins, just turn him heel. I think a heel Goldberg is something that would make more sense. And I and I like that a heel Goldberg. That would be nice. But let me let me let me turn it just a little bit. We forgot about Brock Lesnar. Now I don't know about the contract situation, so I'm pretty sure you're gonna fill me in on that. But I don't know about Brock Lesnar coming in. If Drew retains, you know, everything we thinking is it, just blowed up. I mean, obviously, if Drew loses it, in my mind, I think Drew will win. If he comes in the Royal Rumble after he loses the belt, I think Drew wins. But if Drew retains, I don't know who you get a, who, who's going to win the Rumble. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just assuming we're going with the worst case scenario, and I, I put it at a 75-25% chance. I mean, that that's kind of what I'm going at of, like, a most likely Goldberg wins, but in that scenario that he retains, and as I, as I think he should, and Goldberg loses, well, then who faces, uh, who faces Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania? 
And who faces Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? And maybe Goldberg isn't even a part of WrestleMania. I highly doubt that, given he's perfectly here for Rumble to Mania season. It's very unlikely that Goldberg just goes away into the abyss. He's going to stick around through Mania. I think in that case, it's going to be Goldberg just going in and immediately demanding a a, a championship match against Roman Reigns uh, (laughs) on SmackDown. Because... We didn't get we didn't get that match last year, and maybe they'll try it a second time this year, right? So I'm thinking that's probably what will happen if he loses to Drew is that somehow uh, he's incorporated into SmackDown, where it's Roman versus Goldberg at WrestleMania, uh, and then Drew is left to I mean I don't even know maybe Brock Lesnar part two. I mean maybe maybe they go with the rain event from last year. But uh, your question about his contract, I've I haven't heard anything. From what I understand, his contract expired. And it's kind of like on a, uh, uh, just kind of like a, a, a gentleman's agreement type of relationship right now, where if Vince feels like he needs uh, Brock back and Brock's interested, obviously Vince will dish out as many zeros as he needs to to bring Brock back. That's kind of where they're at. From what I understand, he's it's like uh, kind of like your, your lease expired and you're month to month now, right? Like that's what it is, I mm-hmm. guess, with where Brock is at is that he's not under official contract uh, for any other matches, but that it's kind of on a gentleman's agreement type of uh, deal right now. And a, a scenario that we're missing, too. Drew retains, Goldberg wins the, wins the Rumble. Oh, I mean, Lord. and then they put him against Roman Reigns for WrestleMania. Mm. Oh, Lord. I mean, not that I want to see that either. <laughs> I, I just no don't better. know. No, no, no. That, that's absolutely a possibility. My, my concern, though, is... If WWE thinks in any scenario in which Goldberg either wins the championship match or, say, he loses the championship match, as you said, but then he gets to the Rumble, wins the Rumble, in what world are people going to buy that we're supposed to cheer for Goldberg? I mean, I I just, I I have my doubts, and I'm really, really sad that WWE doesn't have fans there to to really just crap all over this and and realize that Goldberg is not a babyface, and they've gotten kind of happy they, with their ability to n- control the narrative or, or the, 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 the feedback from those, quote, fans that are in the arena to be able to just press a button and go, ha, this is where they should get cheered. This is where we're going to boo them. They've had they've been able to play God over the last like, you know, 10 months now. And it's going to be a serious wake up call whenever they're finally getting back in front of fans. I can't wait for that moment. And I agree. But let's think about this. Right now, obviously, Goldberg gets booed over Drew, okay. hands down, Yep, because he's the top baby face. I don't think Goldberg gets booed against Randy Orton. I don't think that – now, I ain't saying it ain't going to be mixed, but I'm not saying that Goldberg gets blow, booed out the door against a Randy Orton. So that brings me to the next thing. Can Goldberg stand next to Roman Reigns and not get booed? I mean, it's a possibility depending on how dirty they keep making Roman Reigns. That so is, I do agree. Tough. Goldberg, right. <laughs> that is tough. I mean, you present that as – because Goldberg, I feel like I have the pulse. And I'm not saying I'm smarter than WWE. I'm not saying I'm smarter than anybody out there. But I can – you know, after you watch wrestling for a while, you kind of feel what the majority of fans feel. It's like a collective feeling that we get – based on what's going on we just kind of know what each other's thinking we know what the majority of fans feel and i kind of get that sense that the the fans are tired of goldberg right like i i mean 
I don't care what you saw in WCW. He was great in WCW. He had a he was the right guy at the right place at the right time. We know what kind of quality match we're going to get in Goldberg, which is a spear, a jackhammer, a spear, a jackhammer, maybe a clothesline, a spear, and a jackhammer. And the match is going to be three minutes or less. So match quality, out the window, forget that. So I think most of fans are thinking, oh, my God, what? why is he here, right? And WWE, Vince is like, oh, it's Goldberg. And, you know, the, he thinks that just the name value enough is going to be – it's going to be enough to have fans cheer him. He's dead wrong, right? Like we all know he's dead wrong, especially in front of a pay-per-view crowd. So if you take that and you, you think that he's going to be cheered, we all know he's not, but you take that and you put it in front of Roman Reigns, a guy that has genuinely got real money making heel heat where I would pay money to see somebody dethrone him. I want to see what happens. I want to see what his reaction is, you know, after losing the belt, I want to see, does he change? Does he get angry? He always has that quiet anger. I want to see somebody do that. I would pay money to see that. But if you put Goldberg in front of Roman Reigns, who do the fans cheer for? I think they would. That's hard. You're putting me in a really tough position because the fans resent Goldberg, but they also really, really would boo Roman Reigns. Um if it was a main event for WrestleMania and fans were there in front of a hundred thousand people in a stadium, fans going crazy, I think ultimately people would cheer Roman Reigns. I, I think because they recognize that he's doing a great job as a heel, but our hatred for Goldberg even being here, even the fact that WWE feels that he's deserving of this main event spot, is more resentful. Then and, and really overshadows how good Roman Reigns has been. And I don't want that scenario. To me, I think that would take away from Roman Reigns as a heel because he's done such a great job of making you actually boo him in a position that a lot of heel positions are cheered because they do a good job. Roman Reigns is doing a great heel job of getting booed. And I, I, I know we don't actually have fans there, but he's got that just arrogance about him that you can't cheer for. There's nothing, no redeeming qualities about Roman Reigns. There's nothing cool about him. He's a, you know what? So, man, I hope they don't do that because I, I fans would then be forced to kind of cheer for Roman and it would eat away at what he's done over the last five months. And if this wasn't COVID, then if we go with your scenario and say that he would get booed, that now let's change the venue. Let's say it's not COVID and we're in Atlanta. I still think Goldberg does not get booed. I think he gets cheered, especially in Atlanta. I think he will get the cheer. Um, and also, you know, we've watched several matches where the bad guys getting cheered. I mean, it's up to the heel. If you're a great heel, get yourself booed. And I, and I think it's possible Roman Reigns is a great wrestler. And I think he could get the, the crowd to change up and start cheering for Goldberg because I, I just give him that much. I mean, his character is just that good. He's just that in sync to it. He's got Paul Heyman with him. I, I, with those two together, I don't think Goldberg gets booed. I think they would do by hook or crook. They don't get Goldberg cheered. I mean, I think Paul Heyman would be the saving grace in this if, if that was scenario was to play out. Paul Heyman has been able to manipulate crowds very well over over the years. He knows how to dictate what the fans react to, he know or what to do in order to get re, the reaction that he desires. So it's possible, yes. Um, I just it, it's such a 
really tough scenario to put both guys in and the company in because they're both hated for different reasons. You know, Roman Reigns is the traditional old school heel that you very rarely see in this day and age where it's not the cool heel or we know he's doing such a great job. We're going to cheer him. No, Roman Reigns is legitimately going for real heel heat. And I think he's getting it a very it's not easy to do in today's day and age. But Goldberg is hated for a different reason because of resent resentment and the fact that you don't deserve to be here, that the fact that it should be some up and coming star that we're building to the new generation you know, Goldberg, WWE doesn't need Goldberg. Goldberg needs WWE at this point. This is this to me is completely unnecessary. Roman is already a made guy. We don't need to have Goldberg get the rug from Rome, rub from Roman or Roman get the rub from Goldberg. They're both made men in their own right. This isn't helping anyone do anything. I don't think it, it really doesn't make either guy, you know, higher or lower in anyone's eyes because this match shouldn't even happen and Roman Reigns is doing such a great job. So man, uh, you, you present such a tough one, but it could be very realistic. I mean, this match, I'm sure Vince is hell bent on making this happen at some point. So it could be very well this year. And I just want to say again, I don't want to see Goldberg. You know, I know I'm advocating for him as being a baby face. I'm just saying if they want to do that, I don't want to see Goldberg at all. Like I, I, I hated what they did to the fiend. I don't even want to talk about that. You know, I hated the even a couple of years ago the botches he had with the Undertaker. I mean, good God, he could have killed the Undertaker. So I really think, well, obviously we all know it's, it's been time for him to lace up and, and put up the boots. But the problem is, and it's like you said, they could easily put a button on the interface when you're watching it. You know, the little, the little video boards in the background to put whether you want to boo or want to yay. But they don't because they want to control the narrative of what these people are. And I disagree with that. You know, Goldberg is obviously not going to get cheered over Drew. And like and as you said, and you're obviously trying to position him as a baby face against Drew, the top baby face of the company. He's carrying the torch for all. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever give fans that that power because I, they think they think that number one the fans would abuse it somehow or that it wouldn't fit with the story they're presenting. Well, I would say, well, that's what you've been doing the entire existence of WWE. That you've been you've been always talking about the focus group, the live focus group you have every night, and you listen to fans. But yet, you wouldn't give the fans the power to do this now because why? I mean, do suddenly fans' opinions not count because it's the, the pandemic? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they must be in their glory being able to not worry about the, the crowd anymore because they can just push a button and go, ha, this is, where, this is where people should cheer and boo and this and that. So they are, you know, again... I am just counting the days to, again, we don't know this the end date, but whenever they get that that maximum sellout crowd, the capacity crowd that don't have masks, that we're back to our normal lives and wrestling is back to the way we knew it, whatever's going on at that time, WWE is going to have a huge, huge wake-up call. Um, I, I'm just, I can't wait. For whatever that date is, we don't know. But, um, yeah, so uh, any anything else that we may have missed as we kind of wrap things up here? Anything else you wanted to talk about or, or uh, touch on? Uh, two quick points, and, I, and I'm done. Yeah. Number one, I think Vince McMahon doesn't want to go back to the stadiums. Hear me out. I know it's a money thing, but hear me out. If we know the national championship was just played in Florida in the Dolphin Stadium, and they had 14 to 16,000 fans, 
if Vince McMahon truly wanted fans, I mean, even fourteen to 16,000 fans can tell you a story. You know, 16,000 people boo when you hear that. 11,000 people cheer when you hear that. You know, so I feel like that he doesn't want to come back right now. I think he likes the power of pushing the narrative like he's never had before, you know, to really know. And, I, and I'm pretty sure they're watching the brogs and, 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 and Twitter and stuff, but to really have the people booing Goldberg out the door, I mean, good God, you'd be like, okay, this is not working. And, it, and it's, not, it's not the area. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no, well, just to, to quickly touch on that point, they won't be able to tell you that it's a award-winning and critically acclaimed uh, a Thunderdome anymore. So, yeah, that's probably <laughs> – they won't be able to tell you that every single time they open a show. It is true, <laughs> and it is unique, I can say that. I agree. Uh, and, my, yeah, yeah. and my last point, nothing to do with wrestling. I just want to tell everybody out there, I'm a casual wrestling fan. I call myself that because of two reasons. Number one, I normally only watch Raw. So I listen to you guys um, Sunday week in review. So you guys tell me normally how SmackDown went. If y'all talk about an interesting match, I go watch it. You know, and number two, I look at wrestling from a casual perspective. So I know we analyzed it. But when I watch wrestling, like Alexa Bliss, when I watch that, I'm in that moment. I'm not analyzing her at that moment. I'm just sitting there just watching it and in and, and awe. And I'm in a trance. It pulls you in. And that's what I live for as a wrestling fan is is Roman Reigns pulling you in, you know, Paul Heyman pulling you in, the Hurt Business beating people down. I mean, that's stuff you can relate to, you know, even the Street Profits um, with their solo cups getting hype. I like that, which I hope they get the belts back soon. But that's what I live for. And so that's why I like watching it from a casual wrestling perspective. It's, it's love. I love to do that. And. You know, I love to talk about wrestling, as you guys know, on the voicemail bag show. <laughs> that I'm glad you explained the, the reasoning behind it, because it's it's true. And maybe, you know, a lot of fans out there that get so caught up in, in certain things. And, you know, I, I should probably be the one talking about this, but, uh, you know, that we should just enjoy it for what it is. Right. Not get so high, not so low. Just kind of try to get you know, caught up in the moment, which doesn't always happen. I mean, more often than not, it doesn't. But when you have engaging characters, engaging storylines, as we do with Roman, with Randy and others, it does pull you in. And that's what we enjoy. That's what takes us out of our world, our our crazy, divided as hell political world, everything going on in the news, everything. You know, it takes you out of it. That's the point of wrestling. And wrestling shouldn't stress you out. And uh, I'm guilty of wrestling stressing me out sometimes because I get so frustrated with what they're doing. And at the same time, I also get frustrated because, I mean, I have to analyze it in a way and look at wrestling in a way because I do a podcast. So I have to kind of nitpick things and, you know, find ways that maybe they could have done this better. But I also give them praise like crazy when they deserve it. So um, I, I like that perspective. You do. You just kind of you laid back. You get caught up in the moment. You get caught up in the story. And that's what wrestling is all about. I totally agree, and I and I love your podcast. Um, literally, I started listening to your podcast. I can't even remember, but it's back when your mailbag show was on your raw review. So you got all the voicemails, and <laughs> oh yeah, 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 that was an experiment. And I was like, guys, you got to tell me, and and I got many people. Oh no, just make it a separate show. And there you go. And I love the format. I mean, everything you do, you give a you give a voice to your listeners, and you know. I love it. You know, I love all our normal people that, that come in, you know, Waz and, and um, Kyle. There's like three, uh, two or Kyle, three, Kyle. three yeah, Kyles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's a, it's so we got somebody from the Philippines and Australia. I mean, it literally was like around the globe. It's kind of crazy when you think about the people you reach. So, yeah. 
And I tell everybody, if you if you listen to the raw review right now, check out the voicemail bag. Get your get call in, get your own voice out there. Let let everybody hear how you feel about certain situations. Exactly, that's the whole point. I mean, I, that's why I wanted it out there. I'm just like, hey guys, like, because you can get things through email, you can get things through you know Twitter or Instagram, but it's not the same as being able to call in and like you hear emotion, you hear you know what they're thinking, you hear like a real wrestling fans or a casual wrestling fans point of view. And that's the, that's the point. That's why I love it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, you have your own fan base on my show. I get emails about you on a weekly basis. So, yeah. How about, yeah. <laughs> well, that's very generous. I'm going to tell everybody, if you, if you want to reach out to me personally, just email the, the official WWE podcast. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, real, a real WWE podcast at gmail.com. That, that's the email. So, all right. Well, uh, Mr. Casual Wrestling Fan, I hope uh, you, you have a good night, and uh, I'm sure – you you want to be catching up with Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan tonight and uh, let her know that you are now available. <laughs> I don't want to take up the rest of your night. So, uh, yeah, it, it's oh, been. What, what, what's she doing? over here? She's over here asleep. She's knocked out on oh, the couch. Oh, she's she's out. Okay, <laughs> she's asleep. All right, I didn't I didn't want to take you away from you know time with uh, time with her, but all right. Well, thank you. Thanks again for coming on. I'm I'm glad that we hooked up. You know, we should do this again and. Uh, Definitely continue to call into the to the uh, the mailbag show. I know you have your own little your your sub fan base within our fan base. So, hey, I love it, and I and it's an honor to come on the show. I thank you for for listening to you uh, listeners and and get me on the show. And I I'd love to come back. Um, you ever want to do a versus show? Let me know. <laughs> hey, absolutely, man. We'll 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 be in touch, and you have a good night. You too. All right, bye.